0: Welcome to The 401 J Show. Today's episode was a webinar I did with Steve Watson. Now, I've had Steve on the show before. Steve is a benefits guru, wizard, he knows it all. And there's a new law coming out. 2022, January, there's going to be some serious disclosures happening in the broker space in the healthcare space there's a lot of ways that health insurance brokers and consultants get paid and steve unravels all that and explains what you can do as a plan sponsor what you can do as a 401k advisor to bring this up to your plan sponsors super valuable information connect with steve listen in i think you'll enjoy it all right everybody welcome to our webinar today i'm super excited because this is a topic where we talk about benefits you know and we're in the 401k space a lot of times we don't get too involved with the health insurance, but there's some things coming up next year, and I'm really excited to talk about this today. And We have a great guest, Steve Watson. Now, Steve is just one of the most incredible presenters, but also just he understands the health insurance world better than anyone I've ever talked to. And he's a he's currently a CFO and a CHRO, so he knows this stuff. He's actually practicing for his company to manage their healthcare. And today we're going to kind of dive into a topic that I think will be really on the radar coming up next, early next year as we start to see more transparency. So all of us in the 401k space, you know, you've seen our fee disclosures. We've had rules and regulations around clarity on what we get paid. Health insurance brokers have not until now. And so this is the, a topic I think you'll really benefit from learning from. And Steve is the, the, one of the experts about it. So I'm going to head to Steve. Appreciate Steve today. And we're going to kind of listen in and, and have, uh, have him teach us. I
1: appreciate it, Jake, and glad glad to be here to talk about this. And it, it's one area that people in the employee benefit space, this kind of got thrown at them last minute. And so they're all trying to learn as well. And so it's an area, if you are a broker right now or prospect, it's a way to kind of get out in front of this and kind of be the first one out there talking to employers because most employers haven't heard about this as well. Uh, the broker's are kind of left scrambling. But let's kind of dive into this. Let me get my PowerPoint up here. All right, so we're going to talk about the new fee disclosures for health plan consultants here. And so a little bit about me is, like Jake was saying, I am a practicing CFO, CRO. So I work for a company that has about 500 employees in the state of Arizona. And those two hats are, are a little bit different, right? Because, you know, most CFOs are not HR or vice versa. So what the story around that, just kind of quickly, is I was a CFO at the company about a year into my tenure. The HR director quit, looked at me and they said, you know, HR, finance, it's about the same thing. We'll just give it to you. And, you know, I don't know in what world those are the same, but, you know, I'm somebody that I I like to dive into things. And so I went and got certified in HR. Um, I've really worn those two hats for the last 10, 12 years. And one of the big areas that I find that they cross over the most is employee benefits, because you got to have benefits to recruit and retain employees. That's why we have them. But then you also, they're like the second or third largest item for companies to pay for. So financially, it's a big thing. So quick little thing here. Do you know that Starbucks actually pays more in health insurance than they do on coffee beans. So just kind of let that sink in a little bit. You know, how big an item this is for, for most companies. And what I found is that a lot of people like me just don't know a lot about this area, you know, CFOs and HR professionals out there. So I founded a, a group called Trend Breakers to bring employers together to share ways to break the rising trend of healthcare costs. And I also host, you know, three different podcasts. So you can go. S- Subscribe, I've had Jake on, on the Trend Breakers podcast. Uh, it's really focused on helping employers break the rising trend of healthcare. And then I also do a couple interviews, you know, once a CFO interviewing CFOs and then interviewing HR professionals on their journey there. So you can look up those podcasts. let up into today's topic. And so, again, most of you, you know, you're very familiar with the 401k space and the fiduciary responsibilities around that, especially from the plan sponsor. So when I, when I meet with my advisors, when I meet for people in 401k, one of the things I don't wanna end up in court. I don't. I wanna make sure that we're doing our due diligence, we're doing our RFPs, we're looking at all the fees and doing all of that, that stuff within there. The ironic thing is, is that as an employer, as a CFO, we don't usually do that level with employee benefits. And it, it can vary a lot, the size of company and different things. And so just think about a an company my size, about 500 employees, most CFOs, NHR professionals at my size don't even know how much the broker makes. I don't know all the different things involved with it. There's just this kind of black haze around how things work. But yet I've had this fiduciary responsibility I just didn't really know about. And that's all changing because of new laws that are been coming out. So at the end of 2020, there was the Consolidated Appropriations Act. So, you, and when President Trump was ending his term, there was that big 2.3 trillion dollar spending bill that was going through the process. It got passed on 1227, so right after Christmas. And it, you know, it has a lot of stuff about PPP loans, you know, money out there helping, kind of like a you know 2,000 page bill out there. But tucked into that bill, there was a couple big things for this space of employee benefits. One is around medical surprise billing, and there's a whole other webinar, whole other podcast just about medical surprise billing and, you know, transparency requirements for hospitals, for medical providers and different things. Much, much needed. You know, I, you know, all of us, you know, we show up with the doctor, we really don't know how much that bill is going to cost and stuff like that. But again, that's a whole other thing. But tucked, tucked into this law, on page 1713 was a section called you know, this section 202 it's disclosure of direct and indirect compensation for brokers and, and consultants. And this has been on the table for the last, you know, three, five years there. There's always been a lot of pushback uh, from big brokerage firms, big, you know, publicly traded firms on uh, not having this in there. And the ironic part about this is nobody really knows how this got in there, you know, whether it was like a committee member mistake or somebody just tucked it in there and then they forgot to pull it out or, but it got signed. It got signed, it got put in there. You know, these, these disclosures, and it kind of caught the industry off guard. Like they weren't ready for this, they weren't expecting this, and all of a sudden it became law. So, what, at a very high, high level, I'm a lawyer, so you know, don't, you, know you, you can go read the law yourself, you can go get your lawyer stuff. But at a very high level, what does this say? It's plan sponsors, aka me, employers, are responsible to know all the direct and indirect compensation above $1,000 being your site cover service providers. Again, this is very new. I mean, a lot of people in my space, I mean, I'll ask HR professionals out there, like how much does your broker make? Like, oh, I don't know, the insurance company pays them, like whatever, I, I, I don't know. But now you are required to know and it's more than just the broker knowing how much the broker makes down here below you know tpas the pbms group purchasing organizations medical management providers stop loss wellness who is making money off of your company and how much are they making who's paying who just became law that i as a plan sponsor need to know those amounts so the ultimate responsibility when i first heard this law is like you know that's actually a really good thing it'd be nice for these people to. You know, disclosure compensation to me great whatever the piece that caught me off guard personally was this part in yellow that you know this is a quote from these lawyers out there but it's similar to service provider disclosure rules in 401k profit sharing pension whatever it says if such disclosure does not satisfy these requirements aka you didn't get them or whatever the compensation paid to the service provider will be by definition unreasonable So all you 401k people, just let that kind of sink in a little. So if I, as a CFO, I work somebody that I don't even know how much they're getting paid, automatically the department of labor is gonna classify that as unreasonable. And according the payment of the compensation service provider result per se in prohibitive transaction, and it's on me, I'm the one to get trouble. And we talk about, you know, the ability to pierce the corporate veil and, you know, file a lawsuit against me that I'm not, you know, keeping my fiduciary responsibilities under ERISA. So it's a big, big deal for CFOs and HR professionals now to make sure that they're getting this disclosures, this compensation requirements. And this is information that we haven't had in in the past. And again, it's just rolling out right now. You're starting to hear buzzes around it. You're starting to hear buzzes in like the broker world and stuff about this. It hasn't hit my world yet. I you know, again, it's new, stuff like that. But when I talk to other CFOs, they're like, I haven't heard about this, HR professionals haven't heard about this. So this is something that, you know, with your clients, if you're an advisor, it's something to share with them. If you're an employer, it's something for you to get more more information about. And and a lot of it is some people will say, well, I kinda already know the compensation or I kinda know stuff like this. This is something I've I've been working on the last few years of trying to find out all the different ways that a broker gets paid. And again, as a buyer, as a CFO, as an HR professional, I kind of knew about one, which is this first one about medical commissions. You know, I, I remember I got a 30% rate increase one year and I remember looking at my broker across the table and just thinking, it's like, wow, I'm getting a big rate increase but my broker is getting ready to have a 30% raise. That's just not right. And it's, you know, I had in my head that they were getting paid and so we started to negotiate this stuff here. It, I What I didn't realize until I became a fractional CFO and started working for an employee benefits broker's agency as a CFO working on their budgets and different things about all these other things that are inside of their, their compensation. And this is the area, these other four areas is what brokers are really worried about right now about how to disclose this stuff, how to work on this. And so let, let's talk about them. So again, if you're you're an employer, it's important to understand how the past has been working, how much they have been getting paid. So as you start to look forward and start negotiating rates, you'll be aware of these things. So let's talk about, so the first one medical commission, usually insurance carriers will pay either per member per month fee. Usually if they're up to, you know, 50 employees or 100 employees, there's a set amount per employee that they'll pay or they'll pay a percentage, you know, it could be 5%, 3%, 4% of the premiums paid out. Um, again, when I say broker compensation, this goes to the agency and then that individual broker probably gets, you know, 20 to 30% of that total thing. That's how that individual gets gets paid there. That's the medical commissions. But the second one is called medical overruns. So how this works is, is if you're working with Blue Cross and Blue Shield or Aetna, it doesn't really matter. They all do this stuff. But if you have a big enough book of business with, let's say, Aetna, you know, you get over a certain threshold, they may be paying you 5% right now on all your commissions there. But if you get over a certain threshold, they throw on another one to 2%. So sometimes the bigger you get, the higher those those overrides get. And it's these overrides that have never shown up, usually are not disclosed to employers. Um, you know, they would argue, you know, for, for me on a 5,500, These medical commissions would show up there, but these overrides wouldn't, and brokers would argue that, well, it's more general. It's my whole agency, my book of business. It's not specific to that that company. So there's a lot of money flowing through on these overrides that employers were never aware of. A third one is bonuses. And so I actually became a licensed broker just so I could peek behind the veil to see what things were going on. I started getting all these flyers from Blue Cross I you to know, sell this, this amount of business will give you an extra 20,000. Sell this one will give you an extra, you know, so many per employees. There's a lot of bonuses, either for new business or for retention bonuses for keeping there that employers aren't aware of as well. And, you know, it was always something frustrating. This was another area I was frustrated as an employer to learn about is, you know, I may have four or five plans that that broker's presenting to me. And to realize that maybe you know two of those plans, there might be a bonus tied to it, and these other three plans, there's not a bonus to it. And so is the broker pushing these plans for me to sign because it's good for them or good for me? And so that's just an area that again, they'll have to start disclosing. Fourth, the fourth and fifth areas, ancillary commissions and overrides, again, is another area that I wasn't aware of but it's all of the compensation tied to non medical things. And so think about a company, there's the medical benefits, but then there's a whole bunch of other things that, that we have for benefits. There's the dental plan, the life insurance plan, the short-term disability plan, all of these other kind of ancillary lines. There are you know, 10, 15% tied into those ones. And there's also overrides as they get bigger and bigger and sell more, there's money baked into those, those things. And so as much as a CFO might be negotiating the medical commissions piece of it, I've seen brokers that lower this down so they can close the business and then they don't disclose this ancillary money and they're making more money over the ancillary lines than they are on the medical commissions. Well, again, that all ends starting next year as far as having to disclose all of it. And then the last one, again, there's many other areas, kind of smaller ones, but in the last area, and this is kind of what ties into this new laws, these revenue sharing agreements. So there would might be a broker that brings in a PBM, a pharmacy solution there, and you know there was one here in the Valley in, in Arizona that they were getting every time a script was written, written that broker would get you know a dollar or fifty cents or something. They were making money off of the solutions they were bringing in, either the payroll system they were bringing in, the um, TPA they brought in, or, or different things. They were paying to these areas again. Now all of this has to to be disclosed, but so I just want you to let that sink in. I'm gonna tell you a little story to make this kind of more, more relevant and stuff. So there was, a school dis- there was a school district in Texas that I was talking to, to an advisor that lives in that, that area. This school district is huge. They had 3000 employees. I think they were spending around $30 million on, on medical commissions and they went up for a big RFP. So one of the you know, big firms went and bid on this stuff like that and they, one firm bid $60,000 in compensation. I mean, it's a lot of money, but $60,000 spread across 3,000 employees, across $30 million stuff is is peanuts. It's just so small. I mean, we're talking to my one advisor, he's like, man, I wouldn't even get out of bed to get $60,000 to go work with that big big of a company. But this company, this school district was adamant, went before their school board, everything, saying it's $60,000, this is what's in there, it's signed in there, this is what's disclosed in there, it's only $60,000. Well, let's kind of think about these other areas, medical overrides. If you get 1% of $30 million, that's $300,000. Just that 1% here. If it's up to 2%, which is probably where they're getting close to, you know, you're getting up to $600,000, almost 10 times the amount of compensation that they could be getting through medical overrides versus their medical commissions. And so as that school district for the last few years, thinks that they're only paying $60,000. They're not aware of all this other compensation that now all of a sudden this broker firm is going to have to disclose that. How do you think that conversation is gonna go this year? Let me just let that sink in. And that's not including the bonuses, ancillary, all these different things. So there are big, big kind of conversations happening this year. I think going to shake up the industry this year, or they're just gonna eat it you know, those companies and say, well, we, we've said $60,000, we're not willing to disclose this information, so we're just going to eat it for them. And So they're not going to, you know, how's their service levels going to happen? You know, work with that company or that school district, or they're going to renegotiate these rates or whatever. So again, for the next nine months, there's going to be a lot of discussions out there with brokers and stuff about, about compensation. So you might be wondering, so what is a grade? So if we haven't known about rates or different things, what is a typical rate you should be looking for? And as I've worked with many different companies, as I've looked at 5500s and kind of met with industry, I've seen the market rate for broker agencies land between about 25 to $35 per employee on the medical plan per month. So you can just do all the math there. So you got 100 employees, about 25, You know, take the times 25 or $35 per month, that's how much that firm as is getting on, on your plan. So if they come out and you think that they've only been getting $5 per employee per month, you're probably not seeing all the compensation, at least you haven't been seeing it in the past. And I've seen other plans get up around $50 to $70. There was a nonprofit organization here in Arizona. If I told you their name, everybody would recognize their name. But they were you know, up around $80, $90. And they were just getting ripped off, frankly, on how much they were they were paying for it. But this is usually the typical size. I've been paying twenty-five dollars my, my plan for the last eight years, and so about seventeen dollars has been on the medical side, about eight dollars for the ancillary lines, rounds. You know, twenty-five dollars even is what I'm paying for a company with five hundred employees. So the bigger you get, this should be going down too. I mean, size size matters up to a point, and then all of a sudden, between five hundred employees and seven hundred fifty employees and a thousand employees and up, that that scale. It should be going down. Um, so what do I recommend companies do right now? So I call it a stewardship review. I love this this term around stewardship. You think about the old you know castles in England and stuff like that where they had stewards. The kings would appoint stewards to them to look over their their lots and different things. And so they had the responsibility and the fiduciary responsibility over over that area. So I highly, highly recommend employers do a stewardship review with their brokers right now, right now in the spring before all of this, this works is to do a stewardship review with them. What does that mean is just pull out a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be fancy. You could just email your, your advisor right now and say on one side, I want you to list out all the services that you provide. You know, This is a time for you to shine. I do this, I do this quote, I talk to this many people, I do all these things, these are the things you've asked me to do, here's the other things I provide that you haven't asked me to. Let's just all list them out here, services provided. And then I, on the other side, I want them to list out all the fees they've collected and trended for the last two or three years. So I want to see the medical commissions, the bonuses, the override, all these different things. And this, frankly, this was an area that was hard to get people to share in the past, which now by law, starting in 2022 and forward, they have to disclose to you up front. And that's kind of, and I didn't talk about this in the, when I talked about the law, this all kicks off in January of 2022 for new plans, renewing then. They're supposed to tell you before you sign on the dotted line, before that plan kicks off, how much money they're going to make off of bonuses, overrides, all these, these different things. So write down all the services provided, write down all the fees collected, and hopefully you're both smiling. You know, that's what, that's what capitalism should be, is when we're handing our money over to somebody, they're giving us a product or a service, we're both happy about that transaction. I know what's going to happen again this year is that you're going to have a bunch of people that they're providing lots of services, but they were indirectly saying they were only getting paid X and they were really getting paid Y. And people might have been smiling around the part X, but now that they see the other Y, like that school district, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. I mean, Jake and all you folks that have been in the 401k industry, you guys saw this happen 10, 20 years ago when it rolled out in the 401k area. And how that changed that that industry, I'm going to. I'm expecting that sort of thing to happen in the employee benefit space over the next next few years. So as far as questions, I'd love to kind of answer any of your, your questions. I was trying to kind of keep this high level and stuff, but just show you some of the, the things that are coming down down the pot. I'm happy to go into different different areas there. So I don't know, Jake, if you got any questions there. Anybody on the chat? Yeah.
0: Yep. Sal so asked a quick question uh, earlier. He said, "Does this affect brokers?" Who sells supplement supplemental insurance? I think he means um, like other ancillary like, insurance. Does this apply just for benefits? Those.
1: So it's mainly on the ERISA plan. So it would be you know health, dental, long term disabilities. So those, some of those work site benefits it doesn't affect them. However, most of those benefits get sold to the company by these big brokers that do the medical side. So Mike. If you're going to disclose ninety-five percent of your your commissions, if they don't disclose that other five percent, I think they're setting themselves up to to fail. And so my guess is most of them are going to start disclosing all of it. So if you are just if if all you do is sell these supplemental benefits, then no. Um, but if you're partnering up with another broker, then yeah, you're going to have your compensation disclosed.
0: Nice. Yeah. So. I, and those are some really good points, I think, is to be proactive, as we all know, in the benefits space, it gets really busy in the fourth quarter, you know, renewals start to happen. Most, most companies I find are on like a calendar year. And so no. this is really going to, I think, be a disruptor. And, and so as an employer, you know, even just being, being really on top of things and asking, So because I don't think brokers are going to be the ones that are going to be loud about it, right? Unless they're trying to chase a new plan. You know, I'm trying well, to think Well, I think the ones changing new plans
1: are gonna be super loud about it. And those ones that have been getting compensation that they didn't share are gonna be pretty sheepish about it, right? And so yeah. I, I could see them again, they might've got paid these bonuses in the past. I could see them not getting them in the future because they don't wanna talk about them or those revenue sharing things, maybe they're not willing to share those things. But that's a huge hit compensation wise. Like one of the things I'm gonna work on this afternoon to go look up some of these publicly traded brokerage firms and see in their guidance that they give out to shareholders, what are they saying about this? You know, because there's a there's a huge risk for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another yeah. question: Are both the carriers, healthcare providers, and or payers of healthcare compensation also responsible, along with the benefit advisors and consultants, for this for disclosure of this? So I think that I think he means it like as far as like the the carriers. I mean, they they have to disclose um, things as well, right? Is that the same rule that we're taught all in one? Everybody has to disclose everything.
1: Yeah, so it's the ones that you have a direct contract with are supposed to pay, are supposed to disclose who they are receiving compensation from. It's not who they're paying compensation to, right? So, mm-hmm. so you insurance carriers, yes, they would have to disclose this stuff, but they're supposed to be, if they're receiving stuff from them, they would have to disclose, but usually they're the ones out paying, right? They're the ones paying the brokers, they're the ones paying these, these different things. So that, does that make sense? Yeah. So if, if somebody's receiving compensation because of something tied to your plan, they are required, anything over $1,000 required to pay for it, that could include trips, that can include those vacations to Cancun and and different things like, you know, Super Bowl tickets or something like, that. anything over 1000 bucks. they are supposed to disclose to you.
0: Yeah, I know that's a huge deal, or it was before COVID, where, you know, in the spring, a lot of brokers would be going on these big trips. I actually right. had a client that put those trips together. And so I heard all about them. And I was feeling that strange that brokers would wanna go, I mean, they would sell, you know, one kind of bounce around product to product
1: because of the different trips they would do as incentive. Um, that's, that's and That ticks me off as an employer. I'm like, seriously? Because again, when they come to, and this is my, my pet peeve, it's not about the money that they're making. There's definitely some fuel and they're making way too much money. It's the alignment with them. And so the example I use, I don't really care how much a pharmaceutical sales rep makes or the trips they go on or whatever. They're they're representing that company. And they're selling products for that, that company. Where it starts to matter for me is if my doctor is prescribing that prescription or that script because a trip or a fee or different things because that doctor is supposed to be on my side of the table, right? They're the ones helping me navigate this world. And so when brokers come and meet with me as a CFO, that's what they're presenting. I'm the doctor. I'm not biased. I work for you. I'm not tied to any of these carriers or different things. But you start diving into the compensation, there is a lot of biases built in. There is a lot of bonuses and things built in there. And so they've kind of played both sides of that. That it's going to hopefully end here pretty soon in the next few years. And so that alignment matters to me. Is I want brokers to represent me that I. I discuss the compensation with it. I set the compensation with, and they work on my side of the table.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It kind of makes me think about the different, the separation of the size of the employer group, right? I think we find in the 401k world that the larger the group, the more likely you hit a certain level of enterprise, you know, massive companies. It is more that consulting arrangement. It's a flat fee. We lost Steve. There you are. Uh, Where the middle area where it kind of gets a little bit gray, there's, you know, some compensation being paid from the funds as well as like um, an annual fee. I mean, there's all sorts of fees that get tied into that. Do you think in the benefits world as far as health insurance that this rule will eventually get everybody to that same where everyone just says we're a consultant, we charge this amount and every year we kind of raise it a little bit based on inflation? I hope so.
1: No, I, I really do. I, I really think that's where, where it's moving to. And and some of the brokers have been out there touting this as their competitive advantage, that they were the ones being transparent. They're the one, now every, they're going to lose it because everybody has to be transparent with it. But yeah. it's, you know, you bring up a point that size does matter with companies. And so if you're working with a company that has less than 50 employees, less than 100 employees, this probably isn't going to be that big of a shock. I mean, the, I mean, think about a 401k plan. If you're only working with a company with Three employees. The amount of money you're making is very, very little, right? Because of how right. how big they are, and so an employer may look at, it, oh, you're only making five hundred bucks or thousand, whatever. That's small. Where I see the biggest hit is going to be with companies between about a hundred employees to to a thousand employees, because a lot of times they're on these like kind of small group compensation arrangements where it's this five percent, these bonuses, and these overrides and companies don't realize that they can negotiate the fees down once they get over those thresholds, almost like 401 if you get over a million dollars in assets and $10 million in assets, those record keeping fees and everything come down. Well, employee benefit stuff, it comes down as well. It's just employers aren't aware of that it can come down. And so they milk, brokers tend to milk those compensation ar- arrangements and yeah.
0: Right. You see my biases come out. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's, it's good. Uh, the other thing, I, I know there's a lot of employers out there that are kind of either in a PEO relationship or kind of a pooled um, plan relationship. What what do you think that, how is that going to look from those situations where it, it might be not as easy to for the broker to show that transparent? Yeah, maybe, maybe it has to be. I don't know. How do they
1: how do they're have to? Again, it's on again, as the plan sponsor, I'm responsible to know the fees that are getting paid on behalf of my company. And so those arrangements and different things are gonna have to figure a way to allocate those fees and split them out between those different companies. So those plan sponsors are aware of it. But again, I don't I don't think anybody was was ready for this. And so they're all trying to figure it. So I, I attend a lot of broker things. I'm here walking about like, this is all new. They're like, how are we gonna split this out? Well, you're gonna have to figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> And that's, I think, the key point to make is that this doesn't really fall on the shoulders of the broker. It falls on the shoulders of the employer, right? Yeah, and that's That's what I was surprised because I thought it fell on their... Now, it falls on their shoulders to disclose it, but Mm -hmm. they're not the ones that get fined. They're not the ones the Department of Labor doesn't go after them. They go after me, which is like, you know... I'm the one that's supposed to be getting this information. That's why I think it heightens the level why this is gonna get implemented because HR is stickler compliance, right? So you get these HR people, you find out they're gonna get, they have a potential for liability. It's gonna be like 401k plans. They're gonna make sure it it happens. Um, So, and and I think you're gonna see, you'll probably see companies, brokers that are probably a little, that aren't too proactive about this. And I think you're gonna see a lot of other brokers trying to land new prospects using this information. So it's gonna spread pretty pretty quickly. Of like, wow, that other broker's not telling you, well, this is the law and like, come work with me because I'm gonna show you all this. Yeah, I think there's gonna be a ton of webinars and a lot of different presentations I out mean, there. You, you tell me, like, yeah. I mean, how did this work in the 401k space 10, 15 years ago? I mean, when you have all these commission-based stuff and then it became, I mean, it probably took it, a while, but.
0: It does, it, even now, I mean, looking at the scores that we, we're required to have, I mean, depending on the record keeper, sometimes, it's even difficult for me as an advisor
1: 15 years like to really get through what they are actually paying right and and other companies ones are good, right i mean there's still companies because they're not their their fees are too high they're not doing their rfps and doing so they're ending up in court it wasn't like you know big oh, universities yeah. ending up in court because they're not doing their due diligence so yeah i mean it's we'll see it'll take some time but i think you're totally right it's going to be
0: a, a pretty hot topic going into the end of the year we're going to hear a lot more about it so i just wanted to make sure everyone was aware so that you could be proactive with your own relationships because it is important that your broker or your consultant is just like in the 4 k space, they should be working for you, right? And that's the whole, I think, end goal of this is they need to understand your company and be on your side and fight for the best thing for you. And if they're getting paid to, with a, and have a conflict of interest, then that needs to come out. So uh, in the end, we're all, we all want the same thing as far as everybody, you know, everyone has to make money. Everyone's working hard to get the benefits they need. But what's fascinating to me, and and we talked about this in the last show with you, the size of expense from the benefit side versus the 401k side is extremely a lot larger. Yeah, so just 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 as an example
1: for the CFO side, when I'm looking at my my P&L and the expenses that the company's paying, 500 employees, I spent for my financial, my 401k advisor, record keeper, I don't know, you're probably like throwing me over the coals here, $30,000, $40,000, dollars you tell me if that's high or low, but that's about what I pay there workers comp and property and casualty, they're probably getting 40 to $60 worth, worth of compensation. Um, the employee benefits advisors, they're getting 140,000 and I'm on the low end for my company, but for the benefits, it's $3.4 million is what I'm paying in you know, healthcare insurance for my company K matching all that stuff's probably, you know, two or $300,000, so it's 10 X the amount. So it's a big, yeah. big number.
0: Which is why when we show up as, as 4K people, we're talking about, well, we can save you some big dollars here. It's, yeah, it's nothing bad.
1: compared to <laughs> what we're
0: going to do. So yeah. that's why, you know, if you're on this and you're not sure what to do, I mean, the first thing to do is talk to your current consultant, the broker, and broker and just see what they tell you about this yeah. and just, Kind of get the ball rolling right now, because, you know, as you get into the last year, it's going to be tougher to have that discussion.
1: Well, and it, and it's frankly the biggest opportunity areas that companies have. There's a bunch of money baked in there that they can save. And that's a whole other webinars on how they do this. I, I mean, I say $500,000. I'm just kind of rearranging how I purchased my benefits and didn't impact the employees. The fact is, most people in HR and finance aren't aware of these things. They're not really involved in it. They just kind of trust the brokers giving them all this best information. But yet when you look about a 401k advisor, they're very good at like having committees and, and looking at fees. I mean, they already know how to do that skill set. And you look at comp claims, they know how to manage claims. It's just how to get them to take those two skill sets they already have and apply them to the employee benefits world. That's where I think the power is going to come in. So if you're a 401k advisor and if you partner up with employee benefits brokers, that's where I think there'd be some power. Like, how do you take the two sets and apply them to the different areas? Yeah. And help, I think when you find those savings, it's it's going to allow The company to invest in other areas, whether that's well, that's what I just helped a company here in Arizona. They were spending six million dollars on employee benefits, ended up saving about five hundred thousand dollars last year. Well, guess where their money? They put in a four hundred one k. So they increased the matches and different things in four hundred one k. Because most companies, yes, they want to kind of keep it for themselves, but a lot of companies, will just say, let's you know increase wages, let's increase benefits, let's kind of use this money in a better better way instead of just giving it to insurance companies.
0: Right. Yeah. Because then it's going back to the long version of. Why the 401k can be successful yeah. because we used to have a pension was a liability. Now it's off the books and it's, it's a 401k, but we don't force or get people educated enough to use the 401k to be retirement ready. So if you had a, a team or a group of people that are ready, it's healthier for the business long term, right? It eliminates the risk of having you know an aging demographic needing health insurance that you're paying for.
1: Yeah. And, and, and frankly, it's one of the reasons health insurance is one of the reasons why companies are paying less and less to 401k pensions and stuff like that, because they keep going up. I was like 20 years ago and a family plan was $5,000. Now most deductibles aren't even $5,000. Now an average family plans like 20k. It's, it's a car. You know, we're like basically buying a car for all of our employees for those same benefits that we had 15, 20 years ago. And so it just keeps sucking more and more money out of out of companies. And that's why I'm excited about trying to break that trend and do stuff so we can put that money back into other areas.
0: Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, is there any other questions? Anyone else has anyone Rand, or you can put it in the chat or the question bar. Um, I really appreciate Steve You taking the time today. This yeah. is, this is an interesting topic. I think you're going to hear a lot about and Steve is one of the best ones. So you can reach Steve. Right. He's all over social media. He's got three podcasts. He's got trend breakers, which is a consulting firm to help you if you're in
1: charge of your own benefits. And yeah, you I want share to tell this you. Last, last slide here. So yeah, it has all sure. my contact information on it. Yeah. Here, perfect. So. Yeah, Pull that up. Yeah. Wow. So make sure you connect with Steve
0: and start um, listening in to, to what he's doing because he just like, um, you know, a lot of brokers out there, you know, they're there to represent and help you. But Steve's actually in your world, you know, if you're in charge of your benefits. So um, let's see if there might be one more question just to thank you. So, well,
1: all right. yeah, happy to connect with all of you guys. So again, Steve Watson, CPA, that's how you find me because there's a hundred other Steve Watson's out there. You can look <laughs> up trendbreakers.com. Highly recommend these podcasts, you know, listen to them really great experts on there. It's where I'm learning a lot of this information. There's one from Jen Berman, who is actually an ERISA attorney talking about this very topic. And so it's more of a deep dive about 40, 50 minutes about this. If you want to learn more about it. Highly recommend sharing that episode with other, with your clients as well. So,
0: yeah, I've done the same. I mean, you have some great guests. I, it's, it's one of my favorite podcasts. I drop it on you know, I'm on a long drive. to catch up on so many good topics right. that are really relevant and helpful. So yeah, definitely follow Steve and get, uh, get some good information from him. Cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful Thursday, and we will see you soon. Thanks.